welcome to Relentless Servant Podcast, where we break down the ins and outs of my blog and share the stories that lead up to them. Each week, we'll try to go back into the archives and dig through some old ones, and hopefully um, in the weeks ahead, we'll be able to write some new ones and uh, be able to dig into them too. I pray you're ready to join me for this journey and have some fun and hopefully learn some things about Christ. Welcome back to Relentless Servant Ministries again. My name is Mitch. I'm the voice behind this podcast and the hands behind the blog that's tied to it. Um, I love interacting with you guys and I love being able to get down to the nitty gritty of scripture and culture and um, just pertinent issues that really come with the Christian faith. And so this time I put out a poll and I asked, you know, what you guys would like to listen to next about me talk a little bit more, um, whether it was about COVID or mental illness. And the funny thing is, is that for, for some reason, every time I post these polls, I realize that the blogs kind of tie in with each other. Um, like this, I mean, we've 2020 really highlighted mental illness and uh, even suicide, which we talked about in a previous episode. But um, I'll hold off on the whole COVID thing. Um, I think we've had enough of that for right now. Um, so, but we'll talk about one of the issues that I think has plagued the church for a very long time because the church hasn't handled it well, but also, um, just plagued humanity and and humanity hasn't handled it well either. Um, and that is the issue of like mental illness, mental disease, developmental disorders. Um, and I just want to start right out of the gate and say, you can wipe the sweat off your brow because mental illness and developmental disorders are real. And I think scripture does give a lot of detail and pertinent issue to that. Um, a lot more than we think, um, and I think Jesus fits perfectly into the mess and the chaos and the disorder and the um, confusion that comes with mental illness and developmental disorder. Um, so a lot of the background from this blog, this was back from August of 2018, and I had just uh, been wrapping up my bachelor's in biblical counseling. Um, so I feel like when people hear that I have a bachelor's in biblical counseling, they think I'm one of those people It's like, you know, you just don't have enough faith, you got to believe more, and it's... <laughs> That's not true. Um, I'm gonna. I'll dive into all this more off later. But uh, the reality is, is I can't. I can't stand those people who just dismiss mental illness in Christians or in general as not in the faith or not having the right faith or not having the right hope or you know all these things. Like especially with depression. Depression is a huge one where a lot of people are just like, oh, you you need more faith. And we talked about that in Suicide and Jesus and um, in another episode as well too. And you know, I, I, but then there's like the other camp where like you have like the crazy charismatic Christians who are just like, it's not a mental illness, it's a demon. We got to exercise it out of you. Like there's a middle ground. And that's what I hope and pray that we can talk about and discuss here in this podcast and uh, really dive in. And so, like I said, um, this one kind of came out when I was either, I think I was wrapping up 2018. Yeah, I think I just wrapped up my bachelor's in biblical counseling. Um, and I actually did it on purpose. Like I went and got like a very methodic counseling degree meaning um it was very much scripture based the um the my teachers and the material that we used was very much just uh bible heavy obviously christian counseling but um it didn't really give much leeway to medicinal purposes or um the scientific application with like chemistry and such um where you would get with probably normal mental health counseling and and Uh, The reason I do that, and I found this kind of trend in my life as I go forward with anything I really do, is I kind of go more towards the very conservative side of things and finding my way to the middle. Um, And I talked about that in my first ever episode with my theology. Like, I went very conservative um, and then kind of found my way to the middle with Reformed and Reformed conservative, I guess you want to call it. But um, we can talk about that some other time. But uh, 
the same thing happens here. And, and the reality is, is even with that counseling, you know, it allowed me to talk with people. I, I interact with people on a daily basis who struggle with, um, you know, developmental disorders or mental illness or even just um, like, uh, I guess, they, yeah, they are, you know, mental illnesses um, like Tourette's, Asperger's, autism, um, Down syndrome, you know, all these things, people who've had strokes. Uh, so it's not that these things are made up. It's not that these things are, are just uh, an, a scheme. Um, I think, unfortunately, one of the big things that I learned through my biblical counseling degree is that, unfortunately, our world is broken. I think we all can look at that and say amen. I think we all can understand that sin does have a lot of consequences, but I think a lot of people abuse sin more than it already is just abuse. But they use their sin to, to abuse others and, and to gain from others and hurt others. And unfortunately, mental illness is not sheltered from that it's not kept from that um and so it has become this like almost stigma to talk about and really kind of dive into this blog was one of my first ones so it wasn't a very in-depth one but i think it really hit a good foundation for people to be able to have conversations and dive into and and at least i hope and pray that it allowed people to understand that there was a healthy premise for scriptural proof towards mental illness um, and it was kind of cool. I was asked to lead, um, right around this time, I was asked to lead a class about depression in my church. Um, one of the ladies in our church, she had gone through this book from Jenny Swindoll. Um, no relation to Chuck Swindoll, if you know who I'm talking about, but, uh, she's a author. She struggled with depression and, and through her faith and through all that, she kind of had victory in it. Um, that's something we'll kind of conquer here in a few, not conquer, but conversate about a little bit later on too, about victory with it or struggling with it and all that type of stuff when it means coming with Jesus. But um, in that class, I mean, we had a variety. I mean, we had some that were just very like seasonal depressed. And then we had others who, I mean, if you had a scholarly scientific label for what they were struggling with, they had a badge longer than a CVS receipt. Like, I mean, I tell you, they had every which issue wrong with them that you could fathom i mean for the fact that they might have breathed heavier out of the left nostril had to do with child abuse from twenty thousand years ago like it was it was massive it was crazy um and i'm not downplaying obviously what they went through but um they definitely were almost the extreme end of those people who like take diagnoses and then just live them out like they don't do anything else with them um and so i had the i had a big group um and that really shined a light on people who are in the church and feel unheard. They feel unspoken. Um, they feel like they're left out. They feel like they can't come forward because so many people do in the conservative groups, even in the, in the charismatic groups who believe you're just possessed. They, they don't feel like there's a home for they can go and talk about it. And, and I think one of my goals when I become a pastor here, once I finish seminary, is to really, whatever church I'm at, to really foster that type of environment where we can come and be okay being broken. Like that's, that's something that's needed. The church needs to understand like we are people this side of eternity. We are still imperfect. Christ has sealed redemption for us and Christ gives us hope and a born again um, heart in this side of eternity. But that doesn't come without the fact that we are still broken on that side and we do mess up. And that's why he brings us grace. Um, and so that was really neat. I think one of the cool things I did during my degree, which I did as a personal reading and a personal study, and I'm going to give another shameless plug, which I'm sure I'm maybe I got one podcast listener to a different podcast I listen to, or maybe one person finds this book interesting, but it's uh, called Grace for the Afflicted, a Clinical and Biblical Perspective on Mental Illness. It's by Matthew S. Stafford, um, and it looks like it was revised and expanded. 
Um, and so, but he covers, I mean, he covers in uh, a very high and scriptural regard things as like bipolar disorder, trauma and stress related disorders, dementia, cerebral vascular accidents like strokes, trauma, brain, uh, traumatic brain injury, suicide, which we've talked about before. And then he even goes into like a holistic approach to recovery and mental health in the church. And he kind of hits along the same lines I do with like the mental health in the church that we really do need to, he says back in here, he says, you know, we need to do congregational education and awareness, you know, pastoral care teams, uh, Sunday morning support groups, um, kind of like the class that I helped run as a support group prevention, even, especially for suicide prevention within the church, I think is massive that we really should be doing. Um, but I love this book. So if you, if you are truly interested in finding a good Christian example of, um, what it means to really tie scripture and mental health together and, and tie your faith together. I think this is a great book to get like right here. I, I have it open to page 139 and it's uh, talking about PTSD. Um, and he gives some biblical examples and he talks about Moses. Uh, Moses says that the disobedience will result in drought, disease, military oppression, rape, robbery, and slavery. He goes on to say that these events will be so traumatic, so devastating that you shall be driven mad by the sight of what you see. Deuteronomy 28:34. And he says, like, in my opinion, this is a clear reference to what we call today as post-traumatic stress disorder. And I think that's crazy. Like, you know, Moses himself in, in Deuteronomy 28 is sitting there, you know, talking about um, the destruction of, that would come upon the Israelites if they choose not to keep the covenant with God. And he's saying, like, if you choose to be disobedient, like, you will go through such an amazingly powerful traumatic experience that it will lead for you to be able to remember it and, and it bring the same shock and emotion and feeling back to you. And you're going to have to deal with that, right? Um, and so what I did is, and I, and I read that book, and it really shined a lot of light on there. But what I talk about in the blog mainly is the reality of the foundation for mental illness in Scripture. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve decided to eat from the tree of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. And we disobeyed God and God said, hey, because of this, because you have sinned, I mean, you, I have to kick you out. Like, we, I can't, my, my holiness, my righteousness, my just, my love for you, I can't allow you to continue just living forever in sin and kick this out. Um, and we see specifically in verses 23 and 24, uh, we see that, like what I just said, we're separated from God in his presence eternally. Our eternity that was meant to be in the Garden of Eden and the Lord was now guarded and kept from us for disobeying. And this is the spiritual consequence of sin. Uh, verses 14 through 22, right before 23 and 24, we see the physical consequences. We see that we sin also has punishment in the curse for physicality. Uh, childbirth is no longer um, a fully joyous occasion. <laughs> I mean, there's birth. I mean, there's pain in birth. Um, there's, a, there's a very painful uh, attribute now to childbirth. I think a lot of women can attest to that. I'm a man, so I, I obviously cannot. Um, but from what I've heard, <laughs> it is very painful. Um, there's disobedience in, in relationships, especially between men and women. Um, we see it now, especially with um, feminism and the, the notion of household structure and even the pulpit. I mean, I can't tell you how much this whole women pastor and um, who, sh who fills the role and what scripture talks about and the wording and all that type of stuff has even still been the light now 2,000 years from then. You know, and so... Um, we see that there's disobedience in that in that area. For work for life, we have to work for nutrition. I mean, things that were supposed to come effortlessly to us in the garden that was going to be provided to us with God in our relationship, we now have to till and work the land and the sweat from our brow. Like he's saying that it's going to be laborsome. It's not going to be enjoyable. 
Um, work that was meant to be enjoyable is now going to be strenuous and, and hard. Um, and the big thing is now we're physically going to die. So we once were perfect. We had perfect genes. We now are broken and we see our bodies decaying to a physical death. That includes our cells, our bones, our skin, etc. The chemicals and cells of our body that make up us are completely flawed. And that's the physical side. And I think if we can understand that from, from the depiction and the illustration and the words that the Holy Spirit wrote through Moses and Genesis in the account, God is wanting us to grasp the reality of just how broken we are spiritually but also physically as human beings. I mean, you think about it. If, if our bodies are slowly falling apart and generation after generation, it's, it's just creepingly getting worse, just like our world is around us and we see that curse the land. I mean, he cursed the land too. The reality is, is, is we are spiritually dead unless we are born again in Christ. And then we are physically dead. We all will die. Saved and unsaved, we will all die. We will come to the judgment throne. We will die and go to the judgment throne one day. Um, and we either get new bodies that are perfected in heaven or we spend eternity in hell. Um, which, that's another topic and we can definitely talk about that in a blog. If you guys are interested, just let me know. Um, and I will defend that for you. But um, there is a physical reality that we still face. And... Uh, it's funny because always people. It was always that whole YOLO thing, you know. You only live once, so live it up. It's like, well, actually, you live twice. Um, <laughs> so you either, you know, make the right choice and surrender to Christ now, this side of eternity, and live for Him and and find true joy, peace, and happiness in the sense of um, a relationship with God the Father again, or you find sinful joy, happiness, and peace, or whatever that might be, temporarily, and then you die and you and you reap those benefits in hell. And I, I know that sounds very turn and burn, but it's the truth. Um, unfortunately, you know, and a lot of people are willingly choosing that. And, um, but back into this, uh, I, I hope that distinction versus, again, it's Genesis chapter three, verses 14 through 22. Um, uh, we get imagery and we get wording and we get descriptions that really push to show just how broken physically we are now. Um, and that speaks volumes to a lot of mental disorders that we've been able to say do come from uh, misfiring of brains to chemical imbalances in the head. Um, and Matthew Stafford talks a lot about that in his book. And he really breaks down like, okay, these are the chemical levels that are out of whack for bipolar. These are the chemical, you know, and I love that about him. And what I love more is you say, okay, Mitch, like you, we all know mental illness is true, but what does that mean for the Christians? What does that mean for the people who are saved? And the reality is, is, it, I think of the story of Lazarus, um, where he was in the grave to the point where after archaeology and uh, people with geography looked, they said that his body would have just been completely gross and decomposing and falling apart. Um, and then Jesus called him back to life and he came out and he didn't stink. He was still perfectly human. And it goes to show that Christ is actually capable of rendering us anew in spirit and in flesh if he wanted. Um, and that's the coolest story of that, that I think really shows just the immense power of who Jesus is and what he can do. Um, and so I think that really shines a light, especially with mental illness. We, we so often think that there's just people who are too broken, uh, people who are too lost to um, beyond the point of understanding and recognizing. And I think one of the things I love to tell my wife, who's a nurse, is, is that I love that God has provided doctors and nurses and these surgeons, the ability to do what they do because the gift of healing is within their hands. I, I think God has really given the gift of healing by means of, of grace in the sense of just their wisdom, their knowledge, their ability. 
I mean, there's things that she talks about that they do that it just it knocks my socks off. I, I just don't even understand it. And it's, it's cool to see that because what it does for me is it helps bridge that gap of the spiritual and the physical. Um, I see the spiritual behind it. I see that God, even though some of these doctors might not be saved, even some of these nurses might not be saved, God still gifted them. Um, God is still in control of them. God is still creator of them. They still live under common grace to where God is using them to benefit humanity um, and give them a chance to hear the gospel, hopefully. And the, and the best part about all of that is God has also given us amazing scientists and chemists who have been able to make medicines and make um, situations to where these people who struggle truly with mental illness are able to potentially find an even ground and, and a common ground to where they can then understand the gospel. Um, I think we do a lot of damage when we try to tell people that um, if they're not understanding the gospel, then it's on them and, and they're just helpless. You know, we, you know, they don't need meds. Meds are bad. And I agree to a point. I mean, there's, there's people who get so stuck on these medications that they are doped up. They're non-responsive and it's sad. Um, a lot of these people who honestly, and I think it's a huge issue, especially in our day and age where people, they live for the label. They live for the fact that they can say they have childhood post-traumatic stress syndrome or they have uh, childhood compartmentalism where they just, they blocked out parts of their lives because of what their dad did to them and they just, they can't relive it. And every time they try to think about it, it makes them go into a depressive state and they want to commit suicide. Um, and all these things, things that are tangible and real, but things that can be conquered. Um, but they would rather live for the label than live for the fact that they can be restored. Um, I know I had one lady in the group that I talked to you guys about that I did for depression who, I mean, like I said, her list of issues was longer than a CVS receipt. And, uh, I, un unfortunately, and it broke my heart that she never showed back after this night, but I, and I made the comment because it needed to be said that, you know, they might not be finding the reconciliation and the restoration that they are hoping for from all these counselors. And I mean, some of these people were still seeing counselors two to three times a week in their sixties for stuff that happened to them when they were in their teens and they were on medications and stuff. And I told them that they're too busy walking around with their arms folded across their heart, guarding it so much with these labels that they have as a cushion that they're not willing to just open it up and let it go and surrender it all to God. God would be able to do so much if they were willing to stop being so stubborn and bullheaded. And, and that's the truth. I mean, you can be saved and still be an idiot. <laughs> Trust me, I'm an example of that. And I think too many people when it comes to mental health are in two parties where it's either you love the label and you think it defines you and then you use it to almost be a martyr in your faith or you dismiss it completely and you're like oh it's just because i'm not praying enough or it's not, i'm not reading my bible enough and that's why i have schizophrenia like there's there's again like i said in the beginning there's this middle ground that we have to have and i and i think genesis 3 gives us that good middle ground to understand that whether it's brittle bones cancer mental illness um weakened immune systems autoimmune diseases i mean my mom has lyme disease um our bodies are susceptible to be weakened. Our bodies are susceptible to be broken. Our bodies are susceptible to the reality of the, the decomposing nature of sin physically. No one's above it. We see only one person is, and that is Christ. And like I said, the gift of healing is there. It's being used. Nurses, doctors, scientists, chemists, and all these people are, are doing the work, doing the needs, and it's out there. 
but we are so blinded by this notion of um, dismissing all of that as almost like humanistic and and scientific to like damage our faith. Like I think we're damaging our faith more by not using the people that God has put in our lives that know what they're doing and have been gifted with that knowledge and ability to help us. Um, and so that's where I think medication is is useful. Uh, in my degree, I was I was always told to go more towards the side of staying away from it. A lot of it's hocus pocus. A lot of it's just um, numbing and all this type of stuff. But I do believe just like Matthew Stafford in this book, I mean, that's what I love this book. Like I've kept it, I've read it two or three times and I just, I can't seem to get rid of it. I've handed it off to people, but I always try to ask for it back. Um, cause he, he, he explains it so well. Like there is a, there is a way to be able to get certain people temporarily. They might need temporary, like just good old meds, like just slugged on them to be able to help them out, to get them, you know, maybe past that post-traumatic stress syndrome, to get them past that compartmentalism, to get them past, um, you know, onset of X, Y, or Z to where they're even keel. And then as they can work through whatever brought on that mental trauma that led to these things as a result, they can slowly work off of, and I'm not shooting, you know, the wind here. Like these are, this is a true way of being able to live life, to use meds correctly. And if there are ones where you need to have, uh, you know, there's a lack of a vitamin, there's a lack of a chemical and it, and it takes a routine medicine at a small dose for the rest of your life to to stay level-headed even um i think those things are okay i mean those things are those things are needed especially if it's like a lack of a chemical like that's okay it's not like you're overdoing it you're not overdosing it i think when we get to the point where we start losing ourselves in the medication more than we lost ourselves with the mental illness that's when it's dangerous and that's when it's harmful and that's when we are too dependent on the medicine um and you say, okay, Mitch, like you've, you've covered a little bit here, you know, the root with Genesis 3, you've covered, you know, the gift of healing, like you really think it's with doctors and nurses and these scientists and stuff, and um, this awesome book that you've brought up. Um, but where, where do we go from there? What do we do? Is, and, I, and I think first and foremost, the churches, and that's what he talks about at the end of his book too, Matthew Stafford, in this book is a challenge to the churches, like I read a little bit in the beginning, is we need to stop creating stigmas and almost these brands for these people like that there's something different than us you know i struggle with the fact that i was hit by a car and i have a metal rod in my leg and that has consequences to it because my body is weak and broken you know i'm not perfect my bone couldn't withstand the car um sometimes i have a limp sometimes it bothers me sometimes i have just random you know almost ghost pains with it um but i work through that because i understand that a i have an amazing wife who's a nurse who if anything ever truly went bad she would obviously get me to the hospital if she was here um but that you know it could have been worse god could have allowed the car to kill me right and i think that's a dramatic illustration but it applies to the people with mental illness people with down syndrome people with autism people with asperger um tourette's even uh just because they're a little off or some of them extremely off they're still alive. That means God still has them sustained for a reason. That means that they can still hear and respond to the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether it takes a little bit of medication for a short amount of time or a little bit of medication for the rest of their life to help them get to an even ground. I'm not saying we've just put people on pill farms and dope them up and say, oh, now you're better because now you don't have to deal with anything and you're not bothering anyone else. 
No, we give them the medication and then we help them work through it, whether it was childhood trauma, um, past trauma, um, it was uh, just a horrible relation. I mean, a lot of mental illness, yes, has come from, there's just chemical mix-ups, there are tumors on the brain even, a lot of those things can happen there. Um, but a lot of it is due to the body's own defense mechanism of not wanting to deal with that trauma, not wanting to deal with that stress. And unfortunately, a lot of people would rather pick medication over talking. And the unfortunate part is, a lot of people would rather pick earthly psychologists and earthly counselors over Christian ones. And I have come to the conclusion, and I'm not wrong for saying this, is that they do that because the earthly ones would rather affirm how you're feeling and even prescribe meds a lot quicker than the Christian ones who don't have a problem with medications but would rather sit down and hit the hard ground with you and, and really bring to light what you're dealing with and what you're going through to help you work through it to find victory in it. Um, and that's a lot more for those who are struggling with depression, with suicide, with um, compartmentalism, with uh, PTSD. I mean, a lot of those mental illness issues and, and uh, that mental stress on people, a lot of that's just being swept under the rug with drugs and with constant just meetings with people. Like I said, that one lady, she was like meeting two or three times a week with a counselor for like 50 years for an issue that happened so long ago. You know what I mean? And so that's where I think if the church would rally around that and really just acknowledge it and say, hey, we're all broken here. Just all of us will maybe a little different um, and had staff equipped and had even lay people equipped and their congregation aware of the sin root for mental illness, I think that it could create such a different culture to where people that are struggling at home and locked up and or doped up on meds would want to try the alternative. I mean, Christ is the Lord of all. He is the Lord of the physical and the spiritual. And there is, I'm not putting him in a box and I will never put him in a box. And I think that there is victory that a lot of people are missing out on because they don't, truly want to face the underlying issues of what a lot of go a lot is going on with what they're dealing with and i think a lot of people then unfortunately go the wrong path and they they get caught up in the whirlwind of um, secular uh, mental health and they can just get put on these regiments and those regiments become their new norm they don't they don't ever get the chance to hear about eternity because they're so swept up in this machine of just pumping you in pumping you out and getting you going and you're now in this new routine, and you never really get to hear different. And it's sad, because everyone who's around deserves to hear the gospel. They're, they're on earth, or that God's kept them around with his common grace for a reason, so that they can hear his effective grace, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so um, I really hope and pray that uh, this podcast kind of shines a light on that issue, um, that if you are struggling with mental illness, if you truly... This, might, this is what I want to end with, because I feel like I've been very upbeat almost with this one. And I know I normally sometimes on my podcast, I'm kind of like, err. But um, it, what saddens me the most with mental illness is the vast majority of people who use it and abuse it in our world. That they, co they coddle themselves with it and they, and they use it to be just straight sinful i'll be i'll be on i'll be honest i mean i've had people in the church i've had clients at my work who um 
this this lady was just one day at my job. She was just making just racist comments in a conversation with me while I'm holding her dog. So I'm kind of like stuck listening to her for a second. And she's just going off. She's racist, racist, racist. And, you know, all these things, just hurtful, hurtful things. Out of nowhere, just in a blatant regular story, I think it was even. And I'm just like, like what? Like, what is going on? And, and come to find out, she was part of the Jehovah Witness, and her the leadership in that church is actually very heavily Hispanic. And so when she was trying to make claims of, of uh, sexual harassment and all that type of stuff in the church from the leaders, her parents disowned her, everyone disowned her, and so she was abandoned, and what she was left with was the hurt from these Hispanic leaders. And so... She then claimed, like, oh, I, I don't mean anything by it. I just, I, just the trauma of it. The trauma of it makes me say it. The trauma. And I'm like, there's a, there's still a difference between the trauma and, and being racist. Like, you can't hide behind the trauma of an incident to be racist. It's, unfortunately, it even leads to um, those people who struggle with sexual identity. Uh, those who, and I speak about this in another blog so if you want to hit on this we can just let me know hear me out if you get this far into my podcast podcast let me know on this episode but uh, you can comment or message me but um a lot of the transgenderism um lgbtq a lot of people who struggle in that arena it is not they hide behind almost this this what they claim to be science the science behind it when in reality if you truly sit down and talk with them there was past hurt you know, um, I know a lot of homosexual men who, when you talk to them just long enough and you really get a good conversation going, it stems a lot from, they make comments about, um, their mother being abusive or the mother was never there and, um, or women in their lives were very domineering and all these types of things to where it almost subconsciously pushed them towards men. Um, and the opposite goes for even girls like they're, you know, dad was either gone or dad was abusive or dad sexually abused or sexually abused by like a male figure in the family. And that trauma then festers into this new reality of, you know, I've always just been this way. And, um, the sad part is, is that our culture and our society, especially now where we've reversed a lot of things and we're pushing for more equality in the workplaces and stuff. And, um, with Biden's bills, like even the fact that Biden just allowed for, um, you know, transgenders to be able to, you know, men to be able to play in like women's sports and stuff. I mean, there's so much repercussions on all of this because we're not willing to sit down and have those conversations because we don't want equity. We want equality. And so we just want to make it fair for everyone. We don't want justice. We don't want truth. We don't want to figure out what's truly happening. We really just want equality for how we believe to be. We want to be autonomous and equal at the same time, which doesn't work because when you're autonomous, you're self-governing and you create your own notion of truth, but then you need everyone else who's also autonomous in this view to be equal to that, um, which is in my newest blog that I just put out, Dear Humanism. I'm um, speaking out another against another heresy, which maybe I cover that one in the next podcast or so. Um, more in depth, but to bring it all back and to say is unfortunately, and I would say that I, I, I don't even feel uncomfortable talking about that. I don't feel uncomfortable making those claims that I just did. I don't feel uncomfortable stating that those are truth because the reality is they are. And especially if you're a Christian coming from a biblical worldview, those are truths. And 
the sad part is, is even the church has hidden so much from that um, that we either just go like, well, you know, they're living in sin. We just got to, you know, here's the gospel and repent. We don't want to dive in. We don't want to get deep because what that does, is it makes us accountable and it makes us care. Um, and I think that's a huge aspect of mental health and mental illness and developmental disorders and all these things that people don't want to deal with, which is the immense level of care and accountability that goes into it. Um, to wrap it kind of up, that's why I, I love my mom in this realm. I mean, my brother, she was, she, my mom did pre-K. She has three degrees over from Belgium in physical education, biology, and uh, sports. And then she came over here and she became a pre-K pre teacher um, and did VPK and did all the special needs learnings. And when my brother was starting to go uh, get a little bit older, she realized, you know, he does have Asperger. And so she worked with him. And I mean, if you look at him today, I mean, <laughs> I can tell he has his Asperger moments, but he's her office manager. I mean, he's tatted up and down and has a weird Viking man bun now with like a beard for like a pirate. But like, he's sociable. He handles conflict. He... um knows how to neutralize situations. Uh, he's starting to see that there's not just black and white, which all those are like triggers for Asperger. The really only the major thing he has is like most of the, most people with Asperger and autism have kind of like their um, go-tos or their uh, addictions uh, per se. And his has varied from, which actually he's kind of followed through on all of them. Uh, he loves Magic the Gathering and tattoos and punk music. So he's pretty much stayed consistent on those. And that's pretty much why I've also stopped playing video games or board games with him at a young age because he ruined all of them for me. Uh, he just knew them in and out so well that I just didn't even care to read the rule book. And he's like, I'd make a move and he's like, yeah, you can't do that. And I'm like, this sucks and I'd just leave. But um, so there is hope and there is encouraging and there is um, a beautiful foundation for the reality of mental illness in scripture. And there's also the beautiful reality that the gospel is so powerful and so beautiful and so perfect that it can even go into that community and that demographic. But my challenge is now for those who are listening to this podcast and those who might know people that are dealing with mental illness and or developmental disorders is a, if it's, if it's dealing with mental illness and the, the spectrum that we have that's out there now, um, I encourage you to truly actually, if these people are close to you and you truly care about them, Seek first the truth. Have those conversations of what truly led to this point or what truly got to this point or truly understand these people before you just go and start approaching them with any type of information I've given you or any type of tactic or any type of uh, introduction into the gospel from Genesis 3 where you know we are promised that we are cursed in sin and broken physically and spiritually, but that we are also promised redemption in the seed of the woman. So we have the consequence and the redemption, both right there in that same chapter. Before you even get to that part, try to really understand where these people are with their mental illness that they claim to have um, before we just dive into it. And if it's a developmental disorder, take the time. Take the time to get to know them. Take the time to understand what that disorder is. Um, Asperger's, Down syndrome, um, autism, all those types of things, whatever those might be. It doesn't. You don't have to be an expert. You just have to know enough to relate. And we're so wanting to be equally treating of everyone and, and so willing to be accepting of everyone. Why don't we start with these types of people? Why don't we start with the ones who truly have been dropped off, who truly have been pushed aside, who truly have been almost um, poster children for ministries, but never really 
treated as just the regulars on a Sunday morning or something. Like, I, you know, I think if we if we stop looking at them as almost projects and started looking at them as more as people again, we wouldn't have such a major issue. And that would be cross generational, and I think it would be a beautiful picture. So, to wrap it up, I leave you with this: there is truth behind mental illness. The church has done some good. The church can do way better. Um, medicine is okay if correctly administered and not just given right off the bat. If if different means are extended and different routines are followed first. Um, and if blood work and testing and all type of stuff points towards the needs for some type of medication, um, then I'm game. But it can never be done by itself. We still need to bring in the spiritual aspect, bring in the gospel, bring in the eternal hope, not just temporal solution. Um and last but not least, they, these people deserve the gospel just as much as you and I do. Because they are just as sinful and broken as we are. Their bodies just might be showing it a little different. Their minds might be contorting it a little different. And we all deserve to know the good news of Jesus Christ. That he came, lived a perfectly sinless life, took all the sin and shame of this world onto the cross, and died, and then rose again in three days, and now is seated at the right hand of the Father, so that whomever believes in him, shall have eternal life. That they will be born again in John chapter 3. We have to be born again to see the kingdom of God. And I tell you what, I can't wait for that one day when I get to be in the kingdom of God with all diverse groups of people, ethnicities, that once had disabilities and are now made perfect. We won't even be able to know. That's the best part. In heaven, they won't have to deal with it, worry about it, struggle with it. Because we will all be made new and all be made perfect. Every tribe, nation, and tongue will be giving exaltation to God. All of those people who have surrendered to Christ and all the ones that are on this earth breathing right now, no matter their skin color, their mental illness, their developmental disorder, whatever it might be, they deserve and need to hear the gospel. So I encourage you to either have those hard conversations if they claim to have mental illness and work from there, or if they have a developmental disorder, they start just to know the foundations. If God's put you in their life for a reason and you start hanging out with them more, to get to know how they tick a little bit better so that you can relate the gospel. And I pray that if one person hears this podcast and kind of takes that rally, we could start a ripple effect. And I really think it needs to happen more and more. I mean, why not? 2020 has proven that just one thing can cause a whole nation to turn on itself. Why not do one thing to start turning a nation back around? Why not do one action that could change the world for one person? I mean, we are talking about eternity.